This episode is proudly sponsored by Chronologic. By the time you contact a buyer with calls and emails, someone using Chronologic has already held the meeting. Learn more about how to harness the power of AI scheduling at scale. Visit chronologic.com at the link in the show notes. Not to throw you under the bus at all, Scott, but that's why a lot of people think exactly like you think. Customer success, all they care about is the NPS score. It's not true. They care about the message that marketing is delivering. The problem is marketing screws it up for them. That, that, that is true. And I did say that. So thanks for calling me to the carpet on that component there. Um, I'm Scott Logan, and we're making fun of marketing. Welcome, everybody, to Making Fun of Marketing with Scott Logan. That's me. Today, we have a special guest, James Gilbert, who is the current CMO of Flip, advisor for Sendoso and High Alpha, also a CMO of a company acquired by Cisco and then became a marketing executive at Cisco, obviously, through that, and was also a fellow back in the day, for those who've been in demand gen for probably over 10 years, Eloqua Marquee winner when... Eloqua actually had a really cool, awesome demand gen conference. No doubt you remember back in the day when they did those things, like it was like full-fledged tuxedo, you had to dress up, you'd have to go up on stage, it was like a real thing, right? My most memorable Eloqua marquee experience was one where there was an earthquake in the middle of the ceremony. I don't know if you were there for that year. No, I but wasn't. the chandeliers are shaking and we're like, what's going on? It was pretty spectacular, it made an extra memorable moment. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, so uh, let's dive into it. Uh, what is it that you want to talk about? Something along the lines of customer experience, I believe. Yeah, since the whole premise of the podcast is making fun of marketing, I'm going to make fun of them here. I think one of the biggest reasons why marketers don't want to focus on the customer experiences is because they screw it up too much. Um, <laughs> so like, oh, we didn't have, how are we going to handle fixing all the stuff that we messed up? And I think it's a massive problem right now. I think it's going to continue to be a massive problem as there's a focus now with retention and current customers. The thing is, is number one, we do way too much marketing automation. We try to automate everything and we bring on way too much tech. If you've ever looked at the B2B landscape of technology, it grows way fast every single year. And the reason why it does is because all these technology companies are coming out with little niche things that solve a niche problem. And so we take them and we try to implement them in our stack. And we're like, oh, it solves this one little problem. But we didn't think about the four other functions of the business that it's actually going to impact. So we're actually doing more harm than we are good when we bring on a lot of that technology. And when we try to automate everything, we're really disconnecting ourselves from the customer more and more. There's so many things here that we could unpack. But like one of the easiest things to, that people get caught in the trap of is they think to themselves, I always hear the phrase like crawl, walk around. And I live by that phrase, right? I think it's a great way to get your teams to do small buckets of work, move on, bigger buckets of work, bigger buckets of work. And we oftentimes do these crawl, walk, run things. And we're in a crawl phase and we're thinking to ourselves, this is good enough, right? We get caught in the speed of things. So this is good enough. And that good enough doesn't translate the same to the customers, right? They see those as like, wow, you guys have a lot of problems, <laughs> which can impact everything else. And I started my CMO career as a CMO of a customer experience company. And this was before customer experience was just a buzzword. It yeah. was just starting to come to fruition to the market. And companies like Qualtrics and Satmetrics and now Medallia and all these big companies that have grown to be like truly customer experience. 
and you were starting to see these roles be created. A CXO. What the hell is a CXO, right? A CXO was what a CMO was supposed to do, but they weren't doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think in today's world where there's now a shift from acquisition to retention, it's more important than ever that CMOs and executives at any company, if you run marketing, to lean more into the customer side of things, lean more into it. You hear this influx of, hey, we need to build community and we need to do all these things. Well, the best way for you to build community is to nail the customer experience first, because then the customers are going to want to be advocates. And that's a much easier way to build a community off of than anything. I'll add an actual practical, like real life story from my experience that talks to your point earlier of they just mess it up with the automation. I get done with four years at Optum, the software side of United Health Group, and moving in to be the first campaign manager of this team at a customer success or customer service company on the contact center side. And I launched this campaign in my first year there, it was just a few months after I started, for the user conference. And it was the first one that we had, or second one, there were only like 400 people there, but it was a big deal. It was like 2011 and customer conferences were just starting to come about. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to launch this great campaign for all the top customers leading into the show and everyone's going to love it. And I'm going to do awesome. And everyone's going to come up to me and say, Hey, that was a great campaign. And so I launched this thing a couple of days before and I'm coming down the hotel on the first day, like extra pep in my step. I'm just waiting to get congratulated. And all of a sudden my VP comes up to me in a panic and she's like, what did you do? And I'm like, shit, what did I do? I have no idea what I did. It was awesome. Why are we not celebrating here? And apparently I had taken someone and accidentally they were the executive from the biggest customer we had at the time and put her on the list that the customer service reps were supposed to get. And I treated her with messaging and everything tailored to the customer success team. And she was pissed. Don't you know who I am? How could you do this to me? Is this how you run your operations on your side? And so I'm like panicking you need specifically, you need to go apologize to her, tell her what the mess up was and redeem this. And I'm like, it's just a marketing campaign. Doesn't she understand? She does not understand this. This might ruin the relationship for the whole customer for her. And I'm like, oh, and it was at that point I realized how important every campaign is for every customer, for every person and people see through it more so now I think than they did at the past. I think she truly thought that as a company, we didn't know who she was instead of, oh, there were two spreadsheets. Cause in my mind, I'm like, oh, there's two spreadsheets. She got put on the wrong spreadsheet. We'll apologize, buy her an extra dinner or something. We'll be good. And it was way bigger than that. And I went from thinking I was like the talk of the town to freaking out for the rest of the day on pins and needles. Even those little things I found make a huge difference in the perception of you to your customers. 100%. And you know, it amazes me how many marketers out there, which 
sounds like that's going to be primarily who's going to be listening to this or maybe salespeople that really want to hear some dirt that they can have on marketing. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, the funny thing is, is like, there are way too many times where I hear about people that run campaigns or run a strategy for marketing and they don't involve the other functions of the business. It's a massive miss. I'll tell you what, it really is. Like you may think to yourself, why do I need to involve somebody from product? Why do I need to involve somebody from customer success? Why do I need to involve somebody from sales? That's just going to slow it down. That's just going to get in the way. Then they're going to add stuff to it that I don't have the capability of doing. Well, by not doing it, it's going to cause more problems and more ruffled feathers, which is going to cause more issues for the customer than anything else. I think that perhaps marketing is the place where you're mobile enough between the product team to the success team to the sales team and working with those teams in a way that you can actually make that impact. And that refers all the way back down to the customer experience because maybe the CS team's worried about that, but they're really just worried about the NPS score. What does it actually mean when you, you know, say something in marketing, sell that same thing in sales and then execute on that thing. You can get the sales and marketing thing, right? But then if the CS and the product side, isn't what we're saying, cause we're talking three quarters ahead with product, it just falls apart. Like you wouldn't believe it's almost like it's a different experience altogether and eliminating that is huge. Well, I had a great opportunity when I was working for the customer experience company to really learn what customer experience is about. And I think that there is a fundamental misunderstanding about what it's about. And people think like, it's just, oh, we got to do something cool for the customer. People, that's what people think about. And it's not that. Yeah. I'll give you an example. On my teams, we have these mottos. And one of the mottos that we have is always see things through the three lenses. And the three lenses are the following. As a marketer, you have three customers, sales, the one who buys the product, which is the customer and the one who keeps the customer happy, which is the mm -hmm. product and customer success team. And if you're not doing things and thinking through the three lenses, meaning you have to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's running product, you have to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's running customer success. And if you don't do that, then you shouldn't do it period. And we have that motto on our team where if you haven't thought through the three lenses, then we punt it. We don't do it. Or we have to think through it first, bring somebody as a stakeholder. And a great example of this is so many times there have been messages that marketing has created, like a go-to-market motion. We're going to do this campaign and we're going to run it. And then they didn't bring anybody in sales. So what is sales doing? A completely different message. So what does the market see and the customer sees? They see two different messages. They see two different initiatives and they're getting hit by both. And they're wondering what the hell you are doing as a company. Yeah. And then the icing on the cake is this, you get through all that sales does a great job selling them. Marketing does an okay job, at least messaging high level, still two different messages. But now what's left is for customer success and customer service and support to deal with all the shit that you just gave them that they actually can't do. And that is the problem with customer experience is it's the message that's brought to the market that needs to be sold, that then needs to be serviced. And it has to be a circle. <laughs> and too often, all these functions are trying to do their very own thing. And it's why customer service and support is oftentimes one of the very last functions that are thought about. And to your point, not to throw you under the bus at all, Scott, but that's why a lot of people think exactly like you think. Customer success, all they care about is the NPS score. 
That's not true. They care about the message that marketing is delivering. The problem is marketing screws it up for them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That, that, that is true. And I did say that. So thanks for calling me to the carpet on that component there. Um, Give fun and- of marketing, right? <laughs> Scott, are you a reader? I'm a listener. Okay, that counts. Yeah. That counts. I got two books for you that are aligned to this topic perfectly. First of all, making fun of marketing when it comes to the customer experience. Go read The Marketing Rebellion by Mark Schaefer or listen okay. to it. It's amazing. It basically gives the history of how marketing has screwed up like <laughs> this very topic. And the whole premise of the book is we have to bring the human side of marketing back. And that's really the goal. Every one of the people that we're talking to that we're marketing to is a human being. And we forget that. The other book, it's called Empowered. And it's about these Silicon Valley um, folks that helped Amazon and some of the biggest tech companies in the whole world, Google, and how those companies built a culture around their technology and their product teams. It's very interesting. It's fascinating how they go about it. But one of the general premises of that book are you have to empower your teams through the product teams. And the product teams have to be empowered through the use cases that customers have and not through a vision or a roadmap that they themselves have built on what's going to fix the problems of the world, right? Too often the roadmap of product is done without the customer in mind because there's a fear that we can't just build stuff for the customers because it might not serve a broader market. I like how you said, though, and maybe you can double click on this, where the culture of the product can feed back into the rest of the organization. Uh, What does that mean? Well, when I was reading through Empowered, one of the things that stood out to me was they pretty much give the lay of the land of the biggest tech companies in the whole wide world. And they give the lay of the land of like how each one of them have a different culture. But one thing they have in common is their culture is centered around being a technology first company. It doesn't mean you buy a ton of technology. Okay, we've already established that's not a good idea. And being a technology first company means that you're building these use cases and culture around your product teams. So you're like your CTO is getting there and help actually build the GTM for the rest of your folks with your CEO. And too often times it's like the CEO with a vision and wants to then build a product for a very specific reason and hasn't been thought through the customer lens and it hasn't been thought through any other lens really. And so this whole idea of culture being centered around every function being empowered through product and through technology. And that's one of the things that they say is the key is empowering your teams to be focused on the product. And then from there, everything else naturally flows together. If you think about it, if you're all focused on the product, naturally, there shouldn't be a lot of disconnect with doing completely different messages across functions. Because then the product that's driving it. And we do this at Flip a lot. As a matter of fact, even part of the sell cycle involves some of our engineering team on purpose. We don't like weave them in to like slow it down or anything like that. Yeah. But we weave them in so they can hear, right? So they can hear what's happening live with the products. So when does that happen? Are they just observers? Is it discovery call? So we have a very unique product, right? We can implement our product in less than 30 minutes and have it be working for people right away. So our engineering team will actually get on with our sales folks during the trial period of what a customer goes and buys. And during that trial period, 
that's when they're learning. We call them intents and things like that, that like inbound inquiries that people are having with their brands. And that's when they can learn how to customize our voice and things like that through AI. I'm certainly going to propose that in my next go-to-market meeting. How about we do this? I learned it from James. That's a fantastic idea. It takes it like another level up from that joint CS and sales and marketing with the engineers and like really puts them into a different mindset. I feel like that part really could enhance the company culture and get people more excited. But how might that translate to the customer experience for the customer? Are they weirded out by that? Are they like, oh, this seems cool and makes me feel more important or it's all the, the above or more? It's the latter. And I'll tell you why. Because when a company spends the time to put like, I don't want to say brightest minds at the company, but like engineers are building the product. And that's ultimately all you have at a business is that's the tangible stuff that people get to interact with. But oftentimes the engineers and the customers don't get to interact enough, right? The engineers are yeah. building this, then they hear about it from sales or they hear about it from customers, success and service. And they never actually get the interaction with the customer. It works incredibly well for us. It's not always going to work for everybody. So here's another option that you could leverage. There's a bunch of call recording software out there. There's the gongs of the world. Everybody knows gong, but there's others like Voma that are cheaper for if you're a smaller startup, things like that from a technology perspective, also empower teams to listen and hear what's happening and other functions is crucial. I can't tell you how many times that I wasn't able to bring all of sales in into a, into a discussion and a strategy discussion, but I would listen to their calls and I would listen to what was happening. And I immediately knew exactly what I needed to do on the strategy to shift that just a little bit. And then I myself could then go back and communicate, be like, Hey, I listened to these three calls that you had wanted to let you know. That I took that to heart. I brought it into the strategy and here's where you're going to see that. Mm. It changes the game from a sales alignment perspective. It changes the game from all other fashions of the business. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm just thinking back, one of the last softwares I bought, they actually brought in the director of product and I thought, wow, they want to know feedback on why I was with this other product before and what I don't like about maybe something I'm pumping the brakes on buying their product for. and uh, I thought I was like super special, but maybe it's just part of their standard motion. <laughs> Cause I brought that up in a, in, in the budgeting meeting, they did bring their product director in to talk about the lack of their reporting. And I think we, that I don't, that's never been done before. I feel more confident moving forward with them. I guess as long as you can fake it till you make it and you know, you start to get some of those voices to back into some decisions and bigger meetings, that's pretty powerful. You're right, Scott, though. It provides a level of like warm fuzzies, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, like it really does. Like I remember I was one of the very first customers of of Terminus way back in the day. Yeah. Their product was literally a spreadsheet. That's what it was. And we were, I think, the second customer to be using it. And they would have these meetings with us and like basically just dump all this data on us and be like, this is how you can leverage it for your accounts. That's what ABM was then. And I remember I still continue to establish a good relationship with them for a long time, became good friends with Sangram and then started becoming good friends with their product team. And then their head of product consistently wanted to talk to me as a customer all the time about the gaps that existed. Yeah. Right now 
as an early adopter of their products, there's not very many people that are going to have the insight besides the early customers and the early adopters. And too often times as tech companies, we forget about these early adopters. Oh, they were early adopters. Great. Let's make them happy, but then let's forget about it from an engineering perspective. Yeah. They're the ones that have the deepest insight. They're the ones that have the ability to tell you, like, this is where you're really missing. Yeah, you've made improvements here, but let me tell you all the problems that it's caused along the way. I'm a big believer in the customer experience. I always have been ever since I started working for the customer experience company back in the day, it just has become a big passion of mine. There's not a lot of C-level executives that care about it. <laughs> yeah. Like I think they need to. And Maybe more now that the board is saying focus on your customer, but yeah, traditionally not. And that, and that's also part of the problem, right? Is now more than ever, they're being told to care about it by their board, but they don't know how. They mm -hmm. don't know how to care mm -hmm. about it because they haven't made that a focus. And yeah. It's just an area that I think is so important and it has such big impacts. You know, there, there are metrics that have literally been created because of what we've ruined. It's called brand. <laughs> it's called brand burn. Do you realize yeah. that metric was created because marketing screwed this up? Yeah. <laughs> A metric that people really care about, by the way, and CEOs look to and they're like, shit. We can't have really big brand burn. We can't blast a bunch of emails to people and hope that it's going to work. I'm telling you, there are metrics that have been created. There's a reason why CMOs for a very long time were not welcomed at the table. And this is it. Thank you for joining us on the Making Fun of Marketing Podcast, James. There's so much awesome little tidbits. Give us a five-star review, subscribe. We'll have a lot more episodes with a lot of great content coming out. Just to give the plugs, uh, James, you want to give a quick plug of Flip? Yeah, so Flip is a voice automation company. So we help solve the yield problem of customer service and support that happens on the phone. So when you call a brand, you get a shitty experience with an IVR. We changed that to an Alexa-like experience. Very nice. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Scott.